Have you ever caught yourself saying, why does this keep happening to me? This is so unfair. I can't believe this is happening again. We all have. My very special guest today, Chris Templeton, will share the structure and process that he's created to help us shift our perspective out of little me land, as he likes to call it, and into a more authentic version of ourselves. By analyzing and assessing the stories we make up, finding out how they're serving us, and learning how to edit them to match our reality. Stay tuned and welcome to Coffee with Source. So welcome to this episode of Coffee with Source. And my special guest today is Chris Templeton. He is the founder of Oh, The Stories We Tell. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pleased to be here. Well, I'm very grateful that that you're here. And I've had the privilege of, of having a conversation with you a few weeks ago. And I feel like, you know, our... Our alignment is definitely there on, you know, what it means to be spiritual and in alignment and the conscious awakening process. And so can you share with our listeners a little bit about you and, you know, what is the, oh, the stories we tell? Sure. So in, I'm 61 and in 2003, my, as she loved to call herself, jokingly, my evil stepmother gave me a copy of um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And uh, I've always been interested in human behavior. You know, as, as a kid, I why did the boys pull the girl's hair, that sort of thing. And, you know, and then, of course, it just continues on all the all the behaviors that we see that just don't serve us. And so when I read this book, one of the things that he said was, you know, we do a really, really good job of driving ourselves insane in certain parts <laughs> of our lives. And I was like, what? That's not me. That's the world. That's the world that I'm a victim of and powerless to, to choose. And of course, you know, <laughs> that, that, that didn't last long. And it just really clicked with me that, you know, oh my God, there are places where I take a situation and instead of trying to have a clearer understanding of it, I just go to little me land and I just, I become a victim, I become powerless. Um, and the problem with that is, is that we kind of stop there, right? We get stuck in our emotions and, and, um, <clears throat> and we just stop. And so, and you know, when you read it, you see so many people you think of, you're like, oh yeah, I can see that in them. And then you start seeing it in yourself. And so it really just kind of kicked off this process of coming up with three questions and a few concepts. And, uh, and it turned into this model that I have not been able to get out of my head. And so <laughs> the, the three questions are really simple. And this is all about simple. This is for the common person. This is not about a new belief system or anything like that. Um, and the three questions are, what's the story I'm telling? And I define story as anything that I am thinking or visualizing in my head about myself or the world around me. So that's story for me. And the reason I chose story is because story is automatically editable, isn't it? Like we, we think about a story and we're like, oh, well, that could be changed. And, and, and so, yeah, really, uh, it really made it so that I could take a step back easily from my own thinking and look at it a little bit more critically. And the second question was, or is, is this story serving me in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment? And, you know, so many of the behaviors that we have are learned behaviors, especially the ones that don't serve us. 
And those behaviors may have absolutely served us at the time we learned them, you know, dealing with a tough mom and dad or, you know, the kids at school being bullies, that sort of thing. Like I had to come up with ways to manage that. And I had to come up with, with thinking that helped me to move through those tough times. The problem is, is, is if we don't adjust those stories as we get older and we don't have the need for them, we have a tendency to be triggered by certain behaviors and automatically respond. And when we're responding, as, as I like to call it, by default, it, it almost never serves us. So that was the second question. And then the third question is, can I tell a more authentic story? Like mm -hmm. super, super simple, super simple. So those are the three questions. And so then what happened is I started realizing that with question two, what's, is the story I'm telling serving me in this moment? It's a binary question. It's either a yes or a no. And so if you were to take a piece of eight and a half by 11 or a four paper and turn it sideways into landscape orientation, I would put question one in the top left corner. What's the story I'm telling in the middle left side, I would put, um, is this story serving me in this moment? And then on the bottom left side, I would put, can I tell a more authentic story? And what you do is from question two, you just draw a horizontal line across the page. And what happens is, because it's a binary question, this is not how do I feel. Like, I, we'll deal with feelings at some point, but this is not the time to be dealing with feelings. Well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm so angry and I'm, I'm so upset. Okay, is that story serving you in this moment? And so if it's not, I say it goes above that horizontal line. And that's what I define above that line as little me land. It's this place where uh, fear is the underlying emotion. And along with it comes all these fabulous things like victimization, powerlessness, uh, judgment. All of that stuff is above the, this line. And so if what I start to do is say, well, is there a more authentic story I can tell about this situation that I'm thinking about, whether it's about myself, whether it's about my partner, my children at work, what I do is below the line, instead of fear, I'm all about, I become way more curious. And I love that curiosity is kind of the antithesis of fear. Like when you think about it, when we're in fear, Man, we were pushing everything away. We just want to be safe. And, um, and the problem is, is that our thinking up above that line is very good at detecting fear and really, really crappy at coming up with solutions that serve us. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Right. And, and that's what we typically define as the ego at work. Right. And, you know, this, and you hear all this enlightened talk about, you know, in the enlightenment movement, oh, the ego is the enemy and I need to crush the ego and all these, these things that absolutely, number one, just don't work, right? And nobody's going to crush the ego. Nobody's going to get rid of it. I mean, okay, maybe three or four people on the planet, but it's not going to be many. And it's certainly not going to be uh, us for the most part. So what happens is that when I come down and I say, okay, is there a more authentic story I can tell? What I'm doing is I'm getting curious. I want a broader story. I want all perspectives. When we're, when we're above the line, you know, it is all about me. I'm, you know, poor me is, is, is kind of a, a great way to characterize what happens above the line. When you move below the line, you still recognize that this may be a situation that's uncomfortable and that I'd like to be have a different take on, but I'm also willing to look at the bigger story and the more authentic story. Like I you know, a lot of a lot of talk these days about imposter syndrome. Well, mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is just above the line thinking, and all we need to do is recognize that that is how we think. In, about certain parts of our lives and then acknowledge it like we don't if what we try to do is push it away 
and you know, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be not an imposter anymore, and I'm just not gonna pay any attention to those things that I'm thinking. It doesn't go away because it's resistant there. But when I acknowledge that story, and I say, okay, so now what's the broader story? You know what? I may not be the best at what I'm doing, and I'd sure like to be better, and I'm going to make a commitment that uh, you know of continuous improvement and that sort of thing. Then I kind of let that little me thinking off the hook, and I get to move on, and in a way that it, that when you're above below the line, when you're below the line, that's where meaning and purpose lie. And so that's the model in a nutshell. And oh my gosh, the more I play with it and the, and it just won't leave me alone, by the way, I'm always, you know, well, what about this? And oh, the this and that, it, it just makes, um, you're following the inspiration of it. Yeah, exactly. My question is what if, you know, we're using this model, but the, the story that we're telling ourselves doesn't really belong to us. You know, what if it's conditioning and subconscious programming that's been instilled in us from our environment, our parents or, you know, coaches and teachers, people of influence in our lives that have told us repeatedly that, you know, we'll never amount to anything or that that's not available to us. This is impossible for you. You don't come from that you know, type of background, mm -hmm. when we're then reviewing, you know, the story that we're telling ourselves, how do we differentiate our own voice from the voices that have been programmed inside of our minds? It's, it's a, well, you can't do that. So forget about that part. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And well, no, but no. So seriously, look, here's the thing. We, you know, one of the things about asking the, the second question, is this serving me in this moment, is there's a place within us where we just know it. Like if my response is, of course, this is serving me. What are you talking about? Whatever you're thinking clearly is not serving you and you're up in little me land. So, you know, the thing is, the, the reason the first question is so important is in terms of what's the story I'm telling is it helps me to identify it. And typically what I find is if that isn't authentic thinking that I've been uh, given by my parents, you know, and, and we can talk about why, you know, parents are so misguided in so many ways, but we all are wired with this little me thinking, you know, and it's about keeping us safe and it's about protecting us. And, and so a lot of those stories that we grew up with probably, you know, at some level did protect us and keep us safe. And the, and the parents misguided, you know, things that they were training you to do to stay safe. Um, you know, they were all with a good heart, but what we have to do is look at that story and ask the question. And, you know, anybody who's listening to this obviously has got things that, you know, they're trying to, to negotiate and trying to figure out. And when I start to go through these questions, if I say, you know what, this isn't serving me, is what my parents told me about how I should behave serving me right here and now, then the key is, is to really look at what it is about what my parents told me in a way that's open like not it's not you've got to look that right in the eye and you've got to oh, you no 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 we need to be a little bit lighter about it like what was it and why did they think that that was a good thing to teach me and then if it's not serving me how can i take what that was and create a story that makes it that that helps it to serve me. So you know, um, mom and dad taught me this thing, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at it. I'm going to understand why they taught it to me. I'm going to understand what their intention was, and then I'm going to take it and authenticize it. Right? I'm going to I'm going to say, okay, now how do I make this fit better for me? And you know, one of the things that's I think really important to keep in mind is. Nothing that I'm saying is, um, hey, start thinking this way and everything's going to change overnight because that's not the way that 
that we work in general. And so when I begin to look at this as a process and as practice, what I have a tendency to do is to be able to clear that story up and get it more and more authentic to me. And then I can take the good parts of that, what my parents taught me, and I can let go of the bad parts. But so much of what we hear is, you know, just, well, you just got to be positive. Oh, kill me now. Please, 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 <laughs> let's not do that. Because when we when we talk about positive thinking, we're saying, basically, let's just ignore the things that are that are I'm struggling with. And, and, and that just does not work. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And so, you know, how do we take this new this new story, the one that's more authentic to us, and we rip up the shitty first draft and we move on with it. How does that help us in life, you know, create a more approachable mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, um, when you're above the line in your thinking, one of the things I think I said already is, you know, your fear based is, is the core emotion is fear. And I have a tendency to be very judgmental, either of myself or those around me. I have a tendency to feel like a victim of my life and my situation. I feel powerless to do anything about it. When I start to change my stories to authentic stories, and again, it's a process. It's going to take time. It's practice. Um, what happens is... I become way more centered and grounded. It's my two of my favorite words. Like when I'm in authentic me mode, below that line with stories that serve me, even if I don't have it completely resolved, I'm just in a lighter, I'm, I'm lighter about it. I'm centered about it. I'm centered and grounded. I feel um, way more open to the world and to myself. Like that's one of the things that's so important is that we let ourselves off the hook. And one of the things that, that I talk a lot about is, you know, we talk about the ego as the enemy and, oh my God, you've got to destroy the ego. And, and what I talk about instead is the protector. Let's call that part of ourselves, that aspect of our personality that's super hardwired the protector, capital P, put that little part of you on a, a, a pedestal, thank that part of you for what they're there trying to accomplish, and recognize that the protector is very good at keeping us aware of what we need to do to keep safe, but it's also terribly misguided in terms of trying to solve the problems. Mm -hmm. But when we look at that part of ourselves and we have a, almost a conversation with it, what happens is we are able to begin to move down below that line. And so what's so important about this from my mind, from my standpoint, is when I'm down below that line, I'm not asking what's the meaning of life. I'm not asking what my purpose is. I may say, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get a little more purpose in my life. But when I'm below the line, my life has meaning just by default. Mm -hmm. And and so above the line is where we ask those questions. Well, you know, oh my God, when I when am I gonna have meaning in my life and what's my purpose? And and so I guess you know, the bottom line is life just is more pleasurable, more engaging when I stop, you know, letting the protector just go off. I mean, think about the things that you will say to yourself that you would never let anybody else say to you. Well, that's no, all, that all, the time. all the protector. And you know what? Here's the thing. And this is one of the things, one of the reasons I'm so excited to come on your podcast because as we've talked about before we got on the air is you know there's a lot of thinking out there well you just got to be positive and at some point you'll be enlightened and if you meditate enough and i'm not a, i'm a big advocate for meditation but there's this little me story on the positive side up above that line that says all of a sudden it's all going to come together and you will be enlightened yeah. But, and, but we, it doesn't work that way. 
<laughs> so much so. And, you know, if you're any, you know, at any level of your conscious awakening, you realize that hope is just one notch above fear. You're headed in the right direction, yep. but hope you've still got one foot. Like you're, you know, you've, you've got one foot in fear and one foot, maybe hopefully things will work out. Yep. And I think part of that mindset is because we're conditioned to believe that we have some kind of destination that we have to get to. Right. Right. And and I want to be happy. Like, hopefully I'll be happy one day. That's one of the reasons I'm so against emotion uh, as a a place to shoot for. I mean, it, it just, it, it makes it something that is so difficult to achieve when we're trying to be happy. Happiness is something that should, you know, should come in bursts. I always say that you should feel happy. You should be happy many times throughout the day. It's not this constant state of elation. Exactly. It, you have to be happy with yourself and find moments where you're either laughing at yourself or you're appreciating the beauty of nature, but it's not a destination. And exactly. part of that is starting to you know, the positive thinking is great. It's, you know, it's better to see the glass as half full as opposed to half empty. However, for me, that means that you're still in a state of existing. You're not really living because if you're living your life as opposed to just existing through it, you know, waiting for the next destination, someone to come up and program your GPS for you, then you're not really in alignment with everything that is around you. And, and the thing is, when you're in that place, you're also resisting. You're also trying to, you know, hope my way that this is, is going to be, things will be better when I'm happy. And when we start to say, okay, look, let's look at what's really going on. Like, I've got this part of me that's always concerned with my safety, and God bless that part of me for being there. But and I'm, and I'm committed now to listening to what that part of me says in its full glory. Like, I want to be the counter agent with my little protector just the same way that, a, uh, you know, somebody at an airport who comes up to the counter after their flight's canceled and they're just super, super mad. And what that counter agent does is just listens, like lets them let the air out of the balloon of their frustration. And at some point they stop and then we can get to solution and it's the same thing like if we that's why i talk about honoring the protector in from the standpoint of look you've got to understand that that part of you is never going away but you can negotiate your way down so that it's not always yelling in your ear like i i want that part of me i can't get rid of it anyway yeah and, but then when i recognize that okay i've address the concerns of this protector of mine. Now let's authenticize the story, recognizing yeah. those concerns, and let's see what we can do to move on. It's a whole different approach. And then happiness just comes and goes, but it's so much richer. Like Absolutely. that's the thing that I think people just don't understand is how much more, how much richer life can be. Yeah, and there's a difference between acknowledging that inner voice that inner child that still needs, you know, the protection, acknowledging it and saying, Hey, I'm here. Let's go over this. Let's, you know, assess the story as you so beautifully said and feeding into it. Feeding into it in what way? Feeding into it and reinforcing it, right? Looking for examples in your daily life, like, Oh, my boss said this. So it must be true. I am this kind of way and this is not possible for me or you know, I always get stuck in traffic or I have the worst luck. And then we just reinforce those stories that we tell ourselves. Well, and, and that's the problem is, is, you know, not, not only is a protector really good at <laughs> finding the problems, but it's exceptionally great at making them worse and enrolling other people. And, you know, I mean, think about it <laughs> at work when somebody does something wrong and all of a sudden it's a bunch of little me's. Uh, with their protectors in full gear. Oh my God, can you believe what he did? What was he yep. thinking? And blah, 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 blah. I mean, you've, we've all been a part of that. And what I want people to know is that it's okay because you can always change your story. It doesn't matter whether it's a story from yesterday 
or when you were a kid, you get the ability to authenticize your story, to make it something that can serve you. And, you know, when we are <laughs> let feeding uh, the protector, oh boy, are we going in, in a direction that doesn't serve us and feels awful, aren't we? Absolutely. And then you keep recreating and attracting the same patterns in your life and you just can't figure it out. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, one of the questions you asked earlier, you know, what about those things that are really deeply embedded? And, you know, what I believe is that kind of way down below the line <clears throat> is a place where what we typically refer to as flow. Um, and where, you know, we are just engaged so fully in the moment, time passes quickly, it's like when I'm newly in love, and there could be nothing wrong in the world kind of thing. Um, that place is where uh, you can call it God, you can call it un the universe, you can call it infinite intelligence, doesn't matter to me, pick a word that works for you. We know, we have the ability to be really self-aware. With that said, there are some things that we need help with, right? I mean, I don't, I, you know, I've had a, a rough go for a long time around finances. And I know I've spent some time in therapy and my therapist has helped me to kind of clear up some of the stories uh, that I had as a kid growing up with a dad who was a narcissist and uh, loved to screw around. Like there's all kinds of stuff <laughs> that, that help is available for where you really aren't able to get to that place on your own. And, and there's sure. nothing wrong with any of that either. No. And I think one of the, you know, the most powerful and, and liberating questions we can ask ourselves when we're going through therapy or working with a coach and we're getting to a point where we're identifying our limiting beliefs is asking ourselves, does that, does that really belong to me? It's a great point. You know, I, as a person, does that, does that belong to me? The fact that money doesn't grow on trees or what do you think? You know, you're a princess. Oh, well, they're rich. It's easy for them. Life is easy for them. You know, those mindsets, you ask yourself, does that really belong to me? No. I was born with a perfect attitude towards money, right? And so that makes it a lot more liberating to, and easier to let it go when you realize it doesn't belong to you. Absolutely. And, and, and that is, and then really looking at, you know, what are the parts of this that are good that, you know, that, that I can take away as good learning. And so, and, and that's the other thing that I think is really important to keep in mind. And I, I don't think I've said it, but you know, if I had one thing that I wish everybody listening to this would walk away from is treat your life as practice. Like, mm. you know, think about all these top level uh, sports guys and every one of them says, you know, I'm just trying to get a little better every day. And so, you know, we've got lots <laughs> We all have lots of room to grow, don't we? And uh, <laughs> and when you look at it as practice, that's another way that helps that protector to step down and go, okay, you got this. I, I don't need to be uh, so worried about this, and I'm not going to hit you with all this negative thinking and 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 you know make it worse and create uh, solutions that <laughs> that only make the, whatever the situation I'm looking at worse with me. But you know, you're a human behavior guy. And so I'm going to let this one rip and I could get some flack for it. Um, not literally going to let one rip, but that's my dry sense <laughs> of humor. But here's the truth. And for those of you who are listening, just sit with it for a second. When you're sharing a story, or you are having a conversation with a friend or someone, it seems to be so much easier when someone asks you, hey, how's it going? To be like, oh, it's okay. Or to say something negative or something to diminish or minimize the great parts of our life. Because when you walk into a room, and this takes practice, but when you walk into a room and you're the girl or the guy that's like, oh my God, things are going so well. I'm in flow. My career is advancing. I'm up for a promotion. I just met the love of my life. We're buying a house. Everything is 
just miraculously incredible. People ask you if you're smoking something. Yep. You get asked what's wrong with you. You get scrutinized. It makes people uncomfortable. And so I found that in my personal life, so much of the shitty stories I've told myself are because I didn't want to make others feel uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. Because of how many times the reaction of how's it going? Things are going so well. I'm, I've just started my first business. Really? What? Did you go to school for that? Did you learn that? How's it going to go? Aren't you scared you're going to lose money? Do you have support? Like all of those negative things that you just learn in time to dim your light. I don't have another word for it. And I oh, think God. a lot of us carry that around and it's like, oh, you don't want things to be too good. There's, you don't want to make others uncomfortable. Yeah, there's, there's so much there. I, I mean, the first thing to recognize, though, is what you just portrayed is people's protectors like right in other words they're little in little me land going oh my god i would and and think about it the the thinking behind so many of those comments is oh man i would never do that like i i would never put myself in that place i would never want to take the risk of looking bad one of the things that that i'm still trying to kind of get my arms around is the protector is one of his greatest fears is looking bad to other people like mm -hmm. Fear of judgment. Absolutely. And and so, so much of that, and, and a friend of mine that I do some work with on this um, came up with uh, a saying, she calls it situational authenticity. Mm. And when you think about it, you know, if you feel the way as, as awesome as you do about what's going on, and it's really real, you recognize where you can express that and where it's just best to kind of say yeah things are exactly. going really well and and so i would encourage you not to say dimming your light i would say you know I, I, situationally looking at you know is this appropriate i have um, a group of my wife and i have a group of friends that came together when our kids were in uh kindergarten and that group of friends has camped more times than I can count. We spend time together every weekend walking, all this stuff. And, you know, that's a place where we're all, when we're together, we are all below the line in a big way. And really what you're pointing out is that a lot of people are going to be coming at you with feedback from above the line. In Little Me Land, mm -hmm. their protector gee, I can't believe you would take that, that chance. And are you sure that's the best thing? I mean, it's all well-intentioned, right? Most but of those are, Yeah. I, I, yeah. Right. I mean, and there's plenty of people that it's not well-intentioned and, and, and those are the people that we absolutely need to stay away from. But when we are authentic situationally, then we just kind of know, ah, you know what? Hey, how are things going? And it's somebody that, you know, lives in little me land you know, leaving it at, you know, really good and knowing in your heart of hearts that, that things are outstanding, but I don't want to put myself in a situation where some, where I'm bringing out somebody's yeah. little me to, you know, address their concerns. And, and I think and that's is, a, that's a good point to less is more, but you don't have to diminish what it is that you're doing. So I love that. You can totally say things are fine. Things are great. Things are good. Thanks for asking. Yep. And if you're and, pressed, you can leave it at that. Less is more because you know that with those people who live in little me land, as you say, it's, it's gonna, you know, get to a place of judgment and you're going to start spinning a story in your mind when you leave that situation. And so less is more, and that's not dimming your light. Exactly. And, and, and one of the things that in, in this model of mine is I, I refer to excuse me, little me land as, as really turning on the dark, the dark switch, right? Like you think about your baggage and you know, the, when I've got a, somebody has got a dark cloud over them, that's all the dark switch in little me land. But mm -hmm. when you come down and it was a question you asked earlier, and here's a different way to answer it. You know, what's when I am below the line, I'm connected with that 
what what I think it's called in Christianity is that little light of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is always burning bright, like it's always burning bright. But we put on dark glasses or rose colored glasses in Little Me Land, you know, because we're super if we're doing it positively, we're super concerned about something going wrong. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it 110%. And I'm never, I'm going to do it every single day, no matter what. And it's like, but I don't really feel that. And, and so, you know, when you're below that line, it's just an easier place to be where that light does shine. And, you know, it's, to me, this is where the real spirituality lives. When I recognize that so much of what I'm doing in thinking in stories that doesn't serve me is dimming that light. And when I let that go and I begin to practice myself into authenticity, that little light of mine shines so much more brightly. And mm. all of a sudden I find myself dipping into in that, in that area flow. I, I call enlightened me. Like I start to dip in and out of there and I start to recognize all the times that I'm in flow and that I'm in that enlightened place, um, and it starts happening more often because I'm not turning on the dark switch with the protector in little me mode. Absolutely. And that's the thing I think that scares a lot of people when you start to do the inner work, the shadow work, as so yep. many people like to call it, yep. is that you know there's this this fine line between wanting to address the situations, the patterns and the behaviors that keep coming up in your life, tripping you up, or you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, why me? Why does this keep happening? And so you start to investigate it. And really there's, you know, a lot of misinformation about the conscious awakening process, the spiritual awakening process and what that looks like. And the fact of the matter is that it gets really dark and shitty terrifying, lonely, before it gets better. But when you're in that place, when you're sitting alone with yourself, and you're asking the tough questions, and you're able to just work with your ego, as you said, and just said, you know what, I really want to hear the truth that comes up. That's when you can get on the elevator back up to the light and get your head above water and start to see things differently. Couldn't have said it better. But it doesn't mean, right, it doesn't mean that the next morning you're going to wake up and you're going to have a collection of crystals and you're going to be wearing Birkenstock sandals and you're going to be sitting next to the tree of life or, you know, you're going to buy your ticket to India and you're going to eat, pray, love the shit out of the next six months. That's not what it means, but it means that coming up to the surface just to see yourself in a different light will dramatically change the way that you see others and the roles they play in your life as well. And, and the thing that, that people need to really understand about what you just said is the part that's terrifying about looking at that is that is the protector screaming, no, no, we don't want to look at that. Don't out me. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and that's the, that's the fascinating part is, you know, so much of the thinking of the protector in little me land is circular. Like, Oh my God, you're doing, you know, we're in real trouble. What are we going to do? But let's not look at it. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to make it worse. And there's a, a guy named Tim Ferriss uh, wrote a book. Oh, called, love him. Yeah. Four day work, <laughs> four week, hour work or four week. hour work week. It's so funny. I just finished reading it this week. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah. And, and he talks about fear setting. Mm-hmm. What a fabulous thing. And, and what it is, is you just take something that you're looking at and think about what the per- worst possible outcome is like this is giving uh, and this may be actually be where the idea of putting the protector on a pedestal came from like give that part of you the full voice be the counter agent listen to what he says listen to all the swearing and all the you're just I'm such an imposter and I can't believe yeah. like let it go and understand that it's that part of you that is making this so terrifying and when you start to look at the protector as a somebody that needs to be dealt with with kid gloves Mm -hmm. that's when the the 
you know, the terrifying aspects of looking at this stuff start to go away. And then we can start to look at things in a way and go, oh my God, wow, did I make that worse than it needed to be? Yeah, I was dramatic with it. And I always say, you know, my my inner child is this bratty little toddler and I can just see her stomping her feet with pigtails and her arms crossed being like, no, we're not doing that today. And, you know, to look at it. Yeah. And giving, giving myself permission to confront her and tell her that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become the loving parent to you. Now you're not going to run my life anymore. I'm going to upgrade you because I'm not seven years old or 10 years old or 15 years old, whenever those traumatic experiences or events that triggered these limiting beliefs within me occurred. And just creating that space, as you said, that, you know, whenever you need me, I am here, I will listen, (laughs) I'll take note, but you live in my world now. I'm upgrading you and we're going to do this together. And it's going to be so much rewarding for all aspects of my personality, including the protector aspect, um, because he gets to take a break. Like 100%. When I see resistance now, when I see myself resisting to something, I pull up that image of that little bratty girl and I can smile and laugh about it now because I know I'm not in denial anymore. I can see it come and I can smell it. I can feel it in my body. And there's that little girl. She pops up on the screen of my mind and she's like, no. And I'm like, you know what? Let's have a conversation about this. Why not? I want to hear your point of view. You know? And that's the thing that, that I think is really important to just point out is that, you know, when you have a conversation with that part of you versus you said confronted. And I, I think of confront confrontation as kind of a negative thing, maybe not for you, but you know, I want to, I, I don't want to be pushing against it. I want to hear it. I want to be open to it and listen to all its garbage. I mean, I've written time. There've been times when I've written in the morning and I'll just let little me, you know, the protector just go off Yeah. and you know, well, you're doing, it's like, Oh my God, this is so negative, but without fail, as soon as you do that, everything lightens up. It's amazing to me the difference in how I feel when I let that part of me just go. And over time, with practice, the protector realizes that they don't need to be as loud and crazy. Like that's, I, I think, for me in this last, you know, what, 18 years, that's the thing that's been the most rewarding is just being able to be way more at peace and to look at situations so much more holistically and in ways that, you know, I feel so much better versus going down those roads of, Oh my God, how am I ever going to get out of this? Exactly. And going from why does this keep happening to me to, you know, what's the, the lesson message gift that I have to learn from this experience. It's, it keeps happening for a reason. What, what do I need to learn? What haven't I healed? Exactly. And oh my God, when you, when that's your question, those are all below the line questions. They're all questions where even when, one of the things I realized recently is your protector can be screaming at the top of its lungs and you can still be below the line going, yeah, you know what? gonna let this just ride this out a little bit and you know I, I mean you can still be authentic while the the protector is just you know going crazy and and even just that knowledge is like uh relief absolutely so what are some of the things that you do to maintain your your spiritual practice or your connection with source or whatever it is that you call it? What are some of the things that you do daily to keep yourself in check? Um, I I write almost every morning. First of all, I don't do anything daily. Um, One of the things that I've recognized is that if I try to say that I'm going to do something every day, it creates resistance. So for instance, I started meditating a number of years ago. And um, in the first three years, all, oh, oh all, and so here was what the thing was meditation-wise, which can be sitting quietly someplace is fine. My goals were three times a week, five minutes. And people would say, oh, my God, that's nothing. Are you kidding me? But the beauty of it was in the first three years, I think I meditated six, six or 700 times um, and an average of 20 minutes. 
And the thing is, is that you've got to recognize that if what you do is you say, I'm going to do this every day without fail, 110%, 20 minutes at least, what I'm doing is I'm teeing up, <laughs> I'm teeing up the protector to go, okay, well, and, and think about, think of all the people that are like, this is kind of the, the result of that approach is what we hear about you know, New Year's resolutions, right? Now, the minute that you make a New Year's resolution, the for the vast majority of those, the protector's like, oh, don't think that's going to happen. So so the first thing is I, I simple sitting quietly five minutes, uh, three times a day, which ended up being usually four or five times a, a week. Uh, I'm sorry a week, three times a week. So that's one. Um, that really helps me. And what I find is that with that practice, I come down below the line for a big part of the day. Like it, for some reason, doing that really settles the protector in a huge, huge way. And, and so in terms of spirituality, I don't really th think of it that much that way. I feel like my spirituality is more about being in an authentic place and then i'm having really meaningful conversations with my my good friends my wife and i are having a ton of fun i'm a better shepherd for my kid and all of that has so much meaning that i'm not i don't find myself searching for that spiritual place right it and then I just happen to dip down into that, into the flow and into my enlightened place on a far more regular basis. So I guess the first answer is, you know, I don't try, I, I don't tend to think of this as spiritual practice. It tends to be the result, just like I'm not trying to be happy. It's just that I am so much more fulfilled in my relationships and with myself based on these practices. So meditation is one. Um, really recognizing how above the line we behave, knowing that when I'm in victim mode or I'm powerless or I'm judgmental or fearful, that's all above the line thinking, and then taking the time to talk that down using the three questions to get more authenticity. Um, another thing I love doing is writing every morning, just writing. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Julia Cameron who wrote a book called The Artist's Way. And one of the things she says is write three pages, and I don't write that much, but write three pages every day. I don't do it every day, but most days, and write like you can't get it wrong. And this is a great place for the protector to be able to get air his concerns, her concerns, and just kind of get that out of my head. Um, and then, you know, more gray thinking. When you're above the line, we're very polarized in our thinking. Below the line, we're far more open. We're looking to have better understanding and that sort of thing of what's going on within us and around us. Um, so those are a few of the practices that, that I think are really important. And then understanding, again, that it's all practice. Make your life a practice. Oh, yeah. baby. Make Just yourself a priority as well. Absolutely. You know, be, uh, one of the things that I talk about is above the line selfishness versus below the line selfishness. You know, we have it this this cultural story that w most of us have bought into. Oh, don't be selfish. Well, what they're talking about is being selfish above the line at the expense of everybody else. Exactly. Below the line, I'm selfish in terms of taking good care of myself. And when I'm taking good care of myself, I'm more able to take good care of those around me. You can show uh, up in your best form. Absolutely. And so for those who are listening to the episode and they'd like to know more about your your process and the structure you have, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, a few ways. The, the The first one is my website, ohthestorieswetell.com. And um, there's an overview of the model that you can see on the homepage, and there's some articles and that sort of thing that are written about it. Uh, so that's the first place. And you can message me on my website anytime you want. 
Uh, the second place is YouTube. And what I would really love is if your uh, listeners would like my page because it doesn't have a vanity URL yet. So if what you do is you go to YouTube and you search for Oh, the Stories We Tell, typically I think it's the first result that comes up is a little blue thought bubble with orange writing that says Oh, the Stories We Tell. Click on that and that's my channel. And on that channel, uh, please like it so that I can get that vanity URL. But on that channel is a playlist called The Honesty Project. And I have a very good friend, mm -hmm. actually, who's getting married today. I'm so excited for her. Oh, wow. um, who is the same age, maybe even a little bit older than I. Had a very rough upbringing. And I've worked with her as a vendor and also... Um, on, I used to do a little radio show for our local chamber. And so I told her about the model seven or eight years ago. And in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, she said, you know, I, that model just sticks with me. Can we, can we do a podcast where we just talk about um, some of the issues that I have and then apply it to the model? I'm like, are you kidding me? Hell yeah. <laughs> so I think we have about 14 episodes on that playlist. It's called The Honesty Project, and it's everything from annoying coworkers to relationships. And so I encourage you to look at that. Uh, I'm not very good in uh, social media, but I'm working on it. And uh, you can find me at Oh, the Stories We Tell on Instagram and on Facebook. It's so, amazing. And then say again. I said that's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, and and you know be easy about it go have some fun with it it's it's the thing that i love about it is you can have a huge impact on the people that you live and work with and are friends with just by applying the model and not even talking about it like when you start being more authentic uh people join you and it's a lovely and wonderful thing yeah so, leading by example i love that absolutely. that's a great way to end the show Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the podcast today. It's been such a delight. And to everyone who is listening, all of Chris's links to social media website will be in the show notes. And I highly encourage you to go check it out. Let's show some love and support as we continue to expand the collective consciousness here on Earth. Love it. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you.